All right, folks, coming to you live from the Rock and Roll Garage once again. It's Grease the Wheels with your Uncle Jimmy at the microphone. Listen, today we got a subject I want to talk to you about that a lot of you spend a lot of time thinking about, or at least I hope you do. Uh, and I encourage you to think about it as much as possible. But I also want to offer you some warnings. It's about opening your own shop. Now, I know that a lot of you feel like working for the man is just wearing you out. They do a lot of stupid fucking things that piss you off, and they don't do the right thing by you, certainly. They don't pay you enough. And if you're even remotely good at math, you have probably put together the fact that they're making buku dinero and you are not. So what that does is it prompts the idea, in your head at least, that maybe you should open your own shop. And I don't want to discourage you from doing that. I don't want to tell you that you shouldn't do that. But what I do want to do is I want to kind of fill you in on some of the stuff that you're going to need to know, some of the things that are going to happen, and some of the things that you need to look out for when you do attempt to open your own shop. I think number one on the list is that uh, if you are a good mechanic and perhaps maybe you even have customers who know you uh, as a technician at a shop, that you could conceivably open a shop of your own and have a somewhat immediate customer base. You may be a very good mechanic. I certainly hope that you all are. I know some of you probably aren't. I know I'm not the best ever myself, so I don't wanna tell you that I'm looking down at you. I'm just calling people out for what they are. I probably would not open my own shop because the pitfalls uh, that come with opening your own shop are something that I probably would not be able to overcome. And I wanna point some of these pitfalls out to you and so that you can make the decision as to whether or not you think that you could overcome them. Now, I have uh, some friends of mine who have opened their own shops and then to be honest with you, they have actually enjoyed, I would say a modicum of success in a couple of cases and tremendous success in other cases. But there are a lot of little mines in that minefield along the way to success. And there's a lot of things that you have to look out for. There's a lot of things that you need to consider before you do it. And there's a lot of things that can happen while you're doing it. And there's a lot of reasons why maybe it's not the best thing for you, okay? Now, one of the things that comes to mind first when you wanna open your own shop is that where you're working now, okay, and consider this for a second, there's a lot of equipment there, hopefully. Hopefully you're working in a shop or maybe a dealership or uh, somewhere where they actually have planned to work on cars and they have in the past and will continue in the future and they have all the equipment that you need to do the job efficiently and effectively. Now, can you work on cars in a shop with floor jacks and jack stands and maybe a battery powered trouble light and a little tiny compressor with two wheels on it that makes, you know, 90, 90 PSI after about five minutes. Yes, absolutely, you can do that. People have done it. You could open a shop and work that way. Do I recommend it? Gotta be honest with you, I would say I would not recommend that. So there's the first thing that you have to consider when you wanna open your own shop, is that you're gonna need equipment. And really, it's personally gonna be entirely up to you what equipment you need what quality and or quantity of equipment you're gonna need. And that's something that you have to think about, okay? You, you wanna buy a shop that has one bay, 
And so you wanna get one lift and you're gonna get a modestly sized compressor and you're gonna go at it. You're gonna start fixing cars, okay? So you're only really gonna be able to fix one at a time unless the weather's nice and you can sort of work on them outside. So what happens is you get a car in, maybe it's the second car you ever work on or maybe the 10th or maybe the 50th car you ever work on in this shop as you're new, as you open your new shop and you try to get rolling and you have shredded it down to uh, a point where you needed to diagnose something and now all of a sudden your lift is completely tied up while you wait for this customer to decide whether or not they wanna spend the money to fix the car. And they don't get back to you for two days. So your lift is tied up for two days. So there's something that you have to think about. The pitfalls of having a small place and only one lift and possibly not even anywhere to put a car unless it is outside. And that's also another thing you wanna think about too, folks. And, and this is not something that as a technician, I, I gotta be honest with you, I don't think that anybody ever thinks about this when they open a shop. I don't think anybody ever contemplates this one particular problem that pops up everywhere I work, everywhere you work, everywhere any of us could work, is that people are gonna come to your shop, they're gonna bring you cars, they want you to look at, and then they're never coming back for them ever again. It's mind-numbing to me that this could happen, but it happens all the fucking time. I, it's nuts. It's nuts. If you pay any attention to the cars that are at your shop, you're going to see some that are just there day after day, after week, after month, after year. You brought the car in in good faith. You had the customer sign an RO. You had them tell you what they want. They had you had the customer tell you what they want you to do. Diagnose this for me. Tell me what I need to do to fix it. You get into it. You find that it's got some major problem, and maybe it's not even a major problem. Maybe it's just some problem that could be fixed really easy. Maybe even cheaply. Although typically, in the situation I'm talking about, it's expensive to fix the problem, and they decide they don't want to do it and they don't even wanna deal with the fucking thing. And on top of that, they don't wanna pay you for the diagnosis time that you've put into it. So they just abandon the fucking thing. They abandon it. And this happens so often that I have honestly, this is honest to God, the truth, I have considered starting a company that does nothing but go around to shops and offers to deal with the cars at their shop that are abandoned, which means, and then here's a business opportunity for any of you out there who are listening, and, and it's an honest to God business opportunity that I think you could make a good chunk of money at. You go to a shop and you say, listen, you have cars that the customer's never coming back for. You wanna get rid of them. You wanna try to recoup some of the money you've spent on diagnosis for this car or maybe storage fees or whatever. Okay, so what you do is you give me the car and I relocate it to a lot that nobody knows about, not you, not the customer, not the technician in your shop or anybody. And then what I do is I go through the legal channels to get ownership of that car or payment, okay? Now obviously we'd rather have payment, but if I get ownership of a car, then once I own it, I can sell it and then I can reimburse you for some of the fees that you may have lost working on the car. This is an honest to God business opportunity because there are some shops that have five, 10, 15, 20 cars on their lot that are completely abandoned and they can't do anything with them because they don't technically own them. And there's money owed on them that's outstanding 
and they won't let the customer pick them up until they pay. The customer's not gonna pay. It's a real catch-22. You can't do anything with it because you don't own it, and you can't own it because the customer owns it, and the customer's not coming anywhere near your building with a wallet or a credit card because you're gonna demand payment. This is a way around that. You come in, you take the car to a secure location, you start charging storage fees instantly, you charge towing fee, and then you go and you get legal ownership of the car after a certain amount of time, and then the shop that gave you the car gets a, gets a small cut of whatever you make off that car, and then you make the rest and the car disappears, and it's no longer a problem for anybody involved. No longer a problem for anybody involved. And if you sell the car for enough, you make a deal, maybe you give them five or 10% of the sale price you sell for $1,000 to get 100 bucks, I'm pretty sure that instead of having an abandoned car in their lot, they'd rather have 100 bucks. That's just my thinking, okay? If that's not the way it is, or if you don't think that's the way it would work or could work, then, then tell me I'm wrong, okay? But I, I believe there's a real serious business opportunity there. But if you own a shop, and people do that to you, and, and you've got money and time tied up in it and they don't wanna come back to get it, that car's gonna sit outside of your shop until I develop this company and come along and help you out with that situation. But that's something that you have to deal with. If you own a shop and you have a spot to park three cars, it's only gonna take you about six months of being in business to have three cars there that nobody fucking ever wants to see again. And they're gonna take up space and they're gonna annoy the piss out of you. You're gonna to wanna to set them on fire or push them out into the street, which honestly, pushing them out into the street, that's actually a very viable alternative because you know what happens then? Then the, the county or the state tows them away to their impound yard and they have a very efficient way of dealing with it. They wait 30 days, nobody comes down to pay the fees, boom, they auction it off. And there you go, it's gone. Then the customer comes, what happened to my cars? I don't know, the state got a hold of it and that, that's it. Well, how'd they get a hold of it? I go, I don't know. You abandoned it here. I abandoned it somewhere else. So eat shit. Pay me the $250 you owe me for diagnosis. Well, you're not going to get nothing. So that's something that a lot of people who open a shop don't think about. I have a friend back in New York who opened a shop, and his shop now looks like Copart. He has more fucking cars behind his shop than I can shake a stick at. And many of them are in various states of disrepair, and they're never, ever, 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 ever going to be repaired and or put on the road again. And I don't know why he has them there. I think he owns probably half of them. He's, he's just kind of nuts like that. But that's something that people don't think about. He's in a spot where he can have a bunch of cars and nobody's gonna complain too much. Okay, because it's not a residential area, it's an industrial area. So at least as far as that goes, he was smart. The problem is that he's in an industrial area and so he doesn't have a lot of people driving by. He doesn't have a lot of people who know where he is. He doesn't have a lot of people who could even find his place because it's so obscure of a location. So that's something else you have to think about. If you wanna, if you wanna open your own shop, you may have to fork out some very serious money if you wanna be in a high traffic area and work on specific brands. Now, I gotta be honest with you. If you're gonna open a shop nowadays, uh, I believe wholeheartedly, and this is just strictly my opinion, Okay, I mean the whole podcast is basically my opinion, but this is strictly my opinion, is that if you're gonna open a shop nowadays, you're gonna need to specify what brands of cars you wanna work on. Maybe you wanna work on just American cars, you know, Fords and Chevys and maybe Chryslers, uh, you know, anything from the Dodge family, some, you know, Mopars of any sort. You may wanna single yourself out as somebody who works on just those cars because that's what you know, that's what the people you're gonna hire know, and if you had to work on something from Japan or something that was built in Germany or designed in Germany, you don't want to work on it because they're so unfamiliar with to you that you, that you can't 
effectively work on them and, and make money working on them. So there's that. And I think that, you know, specializing in one brand or another with the way some of the brands are, are selling these days, you could get away with that and still earn a very good living. I mean, if you opened a shop that just did Japanese cars, I'm pretty sure that you'd be book solid for a couple of months. They're not perfect, uh, like we all think they are, and they do break down and they need service and they need repairs. And I think that you could do very well doing that. Uh, same with the German makes. Uh, if you wanted to concentrate on Audis and BMWs and, and that sort of thing, you could certainly do that. You know, I honestly believe in my heart that Audis are very difficult to work on and that it's difficult to fix them. And I don't, I, I don't feel like it would be a money-making situation for somebody who's not familiar with Audis to actually offer to work on them. Now, if you're an Audi guy, that's a whole nother story, okay? If you're an Audi guy, then hats off to you. I give you kudos because I think they're extraordinarily difficult to work on. I've seen some of the systems that they put in those cars. I would prefer not to work on them myself. If you work on them, I tip my cap. Um, there's that. The other thing that goes along with having with running your own shop and being in business for yourself is that, um, and, and the chefs go through this too, okay? You could be a, a master chef who makes uh, a, a great deal of money uh, preparing meals for customers in fine restaurants. And you could be like, oh my God, I hate working for this place because the management is so fucking stupid and they make me do shit I don't wanna do. And I would just like to open my own, my own restaurant. And that's great. And here again, if you're a chef or if you're a mechanic or if you're anyone who works for somebody and you wanna go into business doing that yourself, here's the problem. If you're a mechanic or a chef or anything like that, and you open a business where you do what you used to do, you're not gonna be able to do what you used to do. You're gonna have a thousand other jobs in that business that you're also gonna have to do, and you may not ever get to be able to cook another meal or to fix another car because you have to deal with all of the other crap that goes along with being in business. You're not a mechanic anymore. If you open a shop, you are not really a mechanic anymore. Sure, you can you can want to get out into the shop and you could want to fix cars. And and maybe if you're a one-man shop, you're going to have to. But there's so much stuff that goes along with being in business. You're going to have to do the books, you're going to have to order parts, you're going to have to take the phone calls, and that really that honestly to me, that's probably the most mind-numbing part of it all because you know, and if you don't know, you'll find out if you open your own shop. People are going to call you up and say, yeah, my car won't start. How much is it going to cost you to fix it? People do that all the time. There's somebody probably right now somewhere in the world saying that into a phone. My car doesn't run. I can't get it to start. How much is it going to cost to fix it? Well, we have to figure out why. Oh, well, can, you just can't give me a price on, on fixing my car right now over the phone without knowing what's wrong with it? Um, yeah, no. No, I can't do that. That Nobody can do that, really. Even God himself couldn't come down here and say, well, it's going to be $273 to fix your car. What's wrong with it? I don't know, but it's going to cost $273. I mean, some people will do that. They'll say, you know, it's going to be about $250. And they don't even know what's wrong with the car. They just know that $250 is a really good price that might sound good to you and sounds good to them. And if they have to put a battery cable in it or a battery in it or maybe just a starter and it starts again, or maybe they just have to put gas in the tank and you want to give them $250, they're fine with that. I'll go ahead and go with that, okay? There's a lot of stuff that goes along with opening a shop. If you get, if you're opening a shop and you're gonna put a sign out front and you're in a high traffic area and you're gonna work on a lot of cars, you're probably not gonna get out in the shop very often. If you yourself are the owner 
are wearing a lot of different hats in that building. And I mean, what I mean by that is that you're, you're the parts guy, you're the service advisor, you're the shop manager, you're the accountant, uh, you're the bookkeeper, you're all those things. And all of those things are gonna take you away from doing the one thing that you do well. And those other things are probably things that you don't do well. And it's difficult, it's difficult to do it, but you're gonna have to hire somebody to manage it or you're gonna have to do it yourself. That's the only choice it comes down to. And you know what? The choices of people out there to manage a repair shop, they're terrible. They're terrible. People will tell you they can do it. They can't, they think they can. Lots of people think they can do all kinds of things. Uh, it's like comedians. Did you ever watch a comedian? And you go, wow, that he just he's just so effortless the way he does that. I think I could do that. Guess what? That fucking shit is hard, real hard. Can't just walk up on stage, grab a microphone and be funny. Not gonna happen. Same thing with managing a business. People tell you, oh, I can manage a business. No problem. It's like falling off a bicycle. Okay, sure. And then you get in there and you find that there's a lot of fucking work involved. There's parts invoices. There's people calling you. There's the, there's the invoices from your own building, from your own business that you have to reconcile. You have to figure out how much gross, how much net. Uh, you're, you're gonna have to deal with the safety problems, okay? You're gonna have to have somebody take away all of the waste that your, that your shop makes, the uh, spent oil, spent fluids, trash. You're gonna need equipment. You're gonna need a lot of things going on. There's a lot, there's just so much going on. Now, do I recommend you don't tackle, the, tackle it? Do I recommend you don't do it? No, that is not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying to you now, if you're a technician and you consider going into business for yourself, put together a very, very good plan. And maybe, maybe get some people to help you. You are gonna enjoy more success if you can get some people to, to do some of the tasks that you either A, don't wanna do, or B, can't do, or C, would rather not do, or D, all of the above. Do you have a friend who's pretty good with numbers and pretty good with money? and has a, a lot of respect for you and the way you do things, great. Hire him as your, as your manager. Sure, why not? It can't hurt. You know, tell him, say, listen, here's the deal we're gonna make. I'm gonna pay you X amount of dollars. Obviously in the beginning, it may be tough for me to get uh, get the funds to pay you, but we'll do it, you know, we'll do it together, maybe as a partner, and then you can go on from there. And if you do good work, okay, and then here's the other thing too that's that's involved. Can you fix every car that comes in your shop? Okay, you got a one-bay shop, sure, you could fix every car that comes in. It could be just you. It's your reputation, it's your shop. Great, absolutely fantastic. Do what you do, do it well, and people will beat a path to your door. They will. They will line up. They will want you to work on their car. They will annoy the shit out of you about working on their car. They will want you to work on their car. It's awesome. It would be awesome. And if you could deal with the paperwork of just running a one-man shop, I think go for it, okay? If you can if you can pull it off, you know, there's, there's a lot of pitfalls. The safety stuff has to go on. You know, you have to be safe. You have to offer health insurance, if, you know, even if it's just yourself. Um, you're gonna have to have garage keepers insurance in case something goes wrong, because guess what? Something is gonna go wrong. You can, you can guarantee that. People are gonna sue you. People are gonna be unhappy with your work no matter how good or how conscientious you try to be. Somebody's gonna find something they don't like about it, what you did to their car, and they may sue you because that's the fucking climate in this economy and in this, in this country these days, and it sucks, but it, you have to deal with that. So there's some other parts to the insurance side of it that you need to consider. 
you know, some some liability to cover what you do. And then you have to create, or at least you should create a limited liability corporation to protect yourself and your personal belongings and your personal assets from the assets of the business. You make the business an entirely, completely separate entity from yourself and it protects you and your personal belongings and, and the things in your life. Now, again, I want to, I, I, I preach this stuff to you and I point it out to you and I, I tell you what it's all about and it sounds terrible and, and you think, God, I, I don't think I want to do it if it's going to be that much work. Well, you know, I know that a lot of you are not afraid of hard work. And, and let me tell you something to tip the scales back the other way. This can be extremely lucrative. It can be. It can be unbelievably lucrative because you know that if you go into a labor time guide and it says they're going to pay five hours to replace an oil pan gasket or maybe even eight or ten hours to replace an oil pan gasket and a valve cover gasket's another five and you know that you could do the job in two hours or maybe three hours so there you are making 15 hours worth of labor on a on a three-hour job that's money that your business is making let's say you're only charging a hundred dollars an hour and i say only because the shop across the street, maybe it's a dealership or another shop, they're gonna charge 150. So you're already saving this customer probably three, four, five, six hundred dollars. You can do that all day long. You can undersell them all day long. Do the work, do it well, make the customer happy. When he hands over the cash, boom, you're that far ahead of the game. You've just made $1,500 in one day doing three hours worth of work. You move on, you do some more. Yes, it can be extremely lucrative. And if you have a shop that's got more than one bay, maybe you got a shop that has four bays or five bays, you could actually hire in some technicians. Now this is where it gets a little sticky because it's not their business. So they're not gonna have the pride of ownership of the business like you do. And they may not have the tenacity and the experience and the skill that you have. So you kind of have to worry about the work that they do. And maybe you know them, maybe you don't know them. Maybe you checked them out and they checked out okay, or maybe they did check out okay and you just hired them anyway. Because that's what seems to happen a lot of times anyway, is they just, they just get hired. And next thing you know, if they're no good at what they do, they could be ruining your reputation. And then where are you gonna go? You're gonna get, you're gonna have jobs that you're not gonna get because they don't want their car to get fucked up because their neighbor brought their car there and, and the kid who works for you fucked it up. And so the reputation goes, spreads to the next door neighbor. He doesn't wanna bring his car to you. He takes it across the street and there's money you didn't get because you hired a kid or a guy who can't do the job right. Okay, so you have to be careful in that end. But don't let me stray too far from this. It can be extraordinarily lucrative because you're gonna make money on the labor and you're gonna make money on the parts. And every once in a while, you're gonna get a car where you lose money. You're gonna get a car where you can't make as much money as you want, or maybe you have to give something away for free because something you diagnosed wasn't actually what was wrong with the car, and now you have to fix it right, and you feel bad about it, and perhaps maybe you should, and so you offer to fix it and make it right for the customer free of charge. Some places do that, some places don't. Uh, I'm on the fence about it. It depends on the situation. I think it's a, it's a per, per situation case. You know, if you got somebody who paid a real lot of money to get their car fixed wrong, and you you need to make it right, okay. But if they, if you did something that was very inexpensive to try to save them from something that is very expensive, then they got nothing to complain about. And I do that. 
I'll do that. I'll say, listen, I did this so that I didn't have to do that in case I didn't have to do that. I tried to save you money, and I'm just telling you now before you leave that that may still be bad. That may still not fix the car. And if it doesn't, then you're going to need this other component, which is really brutally expensive. So I'm trying to help you out here. We'll see how it works out. Sometimes it does work out. Sometimes it doesn't. They come back and go, remember that part we talked about that cost a million and a half dollars and I didn't want to buy it and you didn't want to put it in? Yeah, it needs it. It needs it. It's still doing it. Okay. You know, you can you can head them off at the pass like that. It's your business. You can do what you want to do and you can work on what you want to. That's the nice thing. You can look at a car. Somebody brings you some pile of shit from some make that you've never worked on before. And he says, hey, can you take a look at this? And you go, no. No, we uh we don't work on those fucking piles of shit, okay? Because you could stand back and lob $20 bills at it all day long and it's not going to help. The car is a pile of shit. It's always going to be a pile of shit. It's going to stay a pile of shit. You should probably take it to the scrapyard and let them squash it into a much smaller pile of shit and melt it down so it becomes some other kind of pile of shit. You get to say no. Does your shop do that now? Do they say no to cars that, that you probably shouldn't be working on? No, they probably don't. They're greedy and they want the, all the money in, all, in the whole entire world and they're going to work on anything that anybody brings them. And when they say that they are going to work on it, what they mean is you're going to work on it and they're going to continue to pay you to work on it. And it's going to waste your time and their time too, by the way. So I want to try to stay away from telling you not to open your own shop, but I want you to be aware that it's a lot of work. There's a lot of things you're going to have to do that have nothing to do with what you do now, but it can be extraordinarily fruitful and lucrative. So weigh your options, boys and girls. Weigh your options. Look at the situation. Uh, if, you, if you work at now, where I'm working now at, at the dealership, we look the cars over really well. And uh, we recommend a lot of service, a lot of repairs, a lot of maintenance. I personally have recommended uh, leaky oil pan repairs on probably, I honestly would say, 100 cars. And although I did about four or five of them this last week, I normally don't get any. So we're selling probably about 1%, maybe two to be generous, of the oil pan gasket repair jobs that I've, that I've noted. We're, we're doing very poor with that. I get it, it's expensive and people don't wanna do it, okay? Now, if I had a shop of my own in this city where I'm in now, and I offered to do those pans at half price to what the dealer charges, two things would happen. A, I'd have a line out the door, and B, I could do them and still make money on them, and I would be a rich bitch. I'd be dirty, I'd be filthy dirty at the end of the day. And I could probably bang out two, maybe three a day, and, and I could probably earn about $1,000 a day doing them because they just wanna save money. They don't wanna pay the huge money that it costs at the dealer. And if that's what you wanna do, find your niche. Find, find what's missing in your neighborhood or in your town, in your community. Find what people need to have fixed and, and how much they're getting hammered at the dealer or the other shops and maybe come in a little bit less than them. Now, there's one other thing I wanna tell you about too, and uh, it's part of a project that some friends of mine are working on, and we're looking, to, we're looking to get it going really, really soon here. I'm gonna help them as much as I possibly can with this. It's a site that's gonna be online where people can go in and just basically put down what they've got and what's wrong with it. That's it. It's gonna be really simple. They put in what kind of car they have and what's wrong with it, and then you, as a technician, sign up on that site and you bid on doing those jobs for them if you're in the neighborhood. Now, obviously something like this, real, real new, there's not a lot of uh, 
customers on it. There's not a lot of technicians on it. But once it gets rolling, once it gets moving, people will go on to this web application, post what they have and what they need to have done and allow technicians in their neighborhood to offer them quotes on repairing what's wrong with their car. The great part about it is, is that the customers are gonna save money by not having to go to a garage or a dealer. The other great part about it for a technician is that A, you can work on the car if you want, or B, you can work, you can not work on the car if you don't want to. It, the choice would be totally up to you. On top of that, if you're just working out of your garage at home and you just wanna make a little extra money to help pay the mortgage, boom, there you are. You work on one car a week, maybe on a Saturday for a couple, two, three hours. Somebody needs a brake job. You quote it up, you know, you tell them how much the parts are, you tell them how much the labor's gonna be, and you hit them with the quote, and if they select you, boom, you get together, you do the work, he pays you, he leaves, he's happy because he paid less, you're happy because the less that he paid you is still more than you would have made it working at a shop or a dealer, and the only loser in that whole situation is the owner of the shop or the owner of the dealership that didn't get that job. So look for that, that's coming up. The, the site's still being put together, that's a situation where you could actually work for yourself and not have to go through all the extracurricular crap of, of getting an LLC or, or even, well, you didn't hear me say this, but you wouldn't even have to pay the taxes. It would be an all cash-based business if you work it right. And it can help you pay your bills. It can help you do whatever you want to do. If you have a little garage at home or if you have a little shop somewhere where you could do it, or even you could do it in a driveway. You could do it in a parking lot. Lots of guys work on cars and on the side of the road, seen it done. This is something that you could do. So that's an alternative to working for the man or being the man is being in the middle of being both. Look for that. We're going to be talking about that some more in the future. Anyway, that's enough of me. This is your Uncle Jim. I'm going to sign off by saying see ya.